Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. You might already be having these conversations within your tribe, but we want to form a community that brings divergent thoughts together. My name's Jamie. I was a church planter and now I'm helping others to plant churches as the Gen 1K mission team leader. Instead of this increasing polarization, we want to learn how to explore different perspectives with a commitment to learning from each other. So at the end of every episode, I've gathered some friends for a roundtable conversation to explore how these ideas might play out in your context. Follow us on Instagram and join our Forming Church podcast Facebook group to add your voice to the conversation. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us, everybody out there. It's great to have you with us, Benj Gould. It's great to be here. It's great to join in the journey. And uh, the journey that we're on. Well, we both are church planters, but as mentioned in the intro, we have slightly different approaches. Yes. You say you want to grow a small church. What does that even mean? What does it mean to grow a small church? Interesting question, Benj. Basically, what it means is that uh, I guess the style of church plant that we're going for is uh, about uh, more meeting around the table, meeting in homes. Um, But it just means that rather than maybe a one-to-many communication style, we're trying to create more of maybe a roundtable experience of church. Mm. I love it. How about you? Is you it, say you're trying to grow big. What's that about? Yeah, well, look, I, we just really believe. And I, I think for, for my giftings and, and what I felt like uh, we'd been called to, for me, like the more people means the more impact. And um, I, I, we really felt called to our neighborhood and just dream about, you know, what would it mean to really impact a neighborhood? And obviously mm. the more people authentically following the way of Jesus and around homes and around dinner tables and in big gatherings and serving in different ways, what could that do in a neighborhood? Yeah. One of the things I love about our friendship, Benj, is it reminds me actually that some of these, you know, this language that we set up, small church, big church, simple church, mega church, micro church, actually at the end of the day, you and I have so much of the same heart. We want to create environments where people uh, learn the way of Jesus and where their lives are uh, experiencing good news that mm. they then pass on to others. And so um, I love our different approaches that actually remind me that we have a shared heart. We're just doing it in slightly different ways. Absolutely. Um, we want to empower you to figure out what does it look like in your context to be part of the church that God is creating among us, the church of tomorrow. Uh, we are very blessed to have uh, Steph O'Brien with us today. We had a great conversation with her around curiosity, around uh, adaptive leadership, around the church of the future. Uh, Steph is the lead pastor and church planter of Mill City Church in Minneapolis in the States. She's also a podcaster. She's been doing it for a lot longer than we have. She's in her ninth season of the Lead Stories podcast, which she co-hosts with Joe Saxton. Go check that out. It's Absolute great. OG podcaster. Uh, she is the author of the book, Stay Curious, and she teaches at Bethel Seminary. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Steph. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, 
I'd love just to know, uh, first off, just what a normal week looks like for, for Steph. Oh man, that's, you're starting out with a doozy here. My normal week is that nothing is normal. <laughs> and that was before we were in a global pandemic. So you can imagine my life now. No, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of rhythm to it. Um, I'm a pastor and, uh, of course, as a lead pastor, you've got lots of things on your plate, but I'm also very apostolic. You guys are probably familiar with that term. And so I love starting new things and doing new things. And so I'm also find myself in a lot of those endeavors doing coaching and trainings and doing things like this and um, writing and doing the doing the podcast with Joe. And we've got a, a new co-host joining us this season, Pastor Edrin, who's an African-American pastor from the city here in Minneapolis, which is right on point to have an African-American pastor from Minneapolis talking with us this fall, uh, the Lead Stories podcast. And then on, I, I also teach at a local seminary. I teach preaching. And so um, what's interesting about that is that, you know, I've got the professor, pastor, podcaster, all the things that start with P, and they mostly fit in little buckets. Like I do a lot of pastor stuff on Sunday, Monday, as you can imagine. Uh, my staff's all on Monday. And then I've got... Uh, time on Tuesday to kind of do my extra admin and things like that and meetings and stuff. And then um, Thursdays is, is the prime. Well, Wednesdays I meet with my staff. I've got about six staff members that I supervise at my church. Mm -hmm. I meet with them one-on-one -on -one. and then Thursday um, I do all the podcast stuff and teach at Bethel, the Bethel seminary where I teach, I teach preaching classes and leadership classes there. And so for the most part, those have been either Tuesday or Thursday, this fall or Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday are my days that I, try to have one of the two of them that I have off. So that's worked really well for me. Like trying to say it's always Friday, it's always Saturday hasn't worked super well, but trying to say, Hey, one of these two days, I'm mostly going to be doing life, life giving stuff, uh, things that I think are fun stuff. That's like helping me with, you know, keeping my life straight and not just work. So uh, that's kind of what Sabbath has looked like for me. And then Sunday. So I think of the week as starting on Sunday. I don't know mm. in the U S a lot of people think of it as starting on Monday, but as a pastor, I think of it as starting on Sunday instead of ending so it's kind of like, all right, we're starting. It's maybe what a lot of people's Monday feels like. So that's that's kind of what it looks like. Uh, in between that, I, I'm hanging out with my husband and we have a roommate too. So we, uh, you know, whatever show we're binge watching. And then I've got two really hyper Springer Spaniel dogs. And so they're just a, a wild end. So we go we go out walking and I'm going to try to rollerblade with the younger one. So oh, great. prayers for that. Prayers for that. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> you, can, you can send us a video. That'll be good. Yeah. That awesome. needs to be on video. Well, you're doing a lot of, uh, of incredible things. And uh, Benj and I, you know, have, have uh, listened to some of your content before and just been really encouraged by that. So thank you for all of your work, your writing, your speaking, your podcasting, all the things that start with P. Uh, I, I add a P to that list as well. I'm a poet. So poet, podcaster, pastor, love anything that starts with P. I'm with you on that. I love it. I love um, it. So you're in like your ninth season of the Lead Stories podcast, podcasting yeah. OG back before everyone was jumping on this bandwagon. And uh, yeah. you and Joe Saxon, um, you know, have been obviously for years exploring leadership development and what are the kind of qualities that leaders need in order to lead healthy churches, movements, organizations. I'm just wondering you know, as the church is in this seismic shift right now, along with the rest of the world, but particularly thinking about the church in increasingly post-Christian contexts, not having yeah. the cultural center anymore, as well as the church being in a, a post-pandemic world that everyone is grappling with, uh, what do you think are going to be some of the most important leadership qualities uh, for, for future church leaders? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, it's easy. The easy answer that's still very true, even though it's the easiest answer, is that they're very centered on Jesus. I mean, with all the to and fro that's happened with the world and global leaders trying to figure out how to lead us through this pandemic, it's just put to me like Jesus as leader, <laughs> like mm. heightened and how fallible we all are as human leaders and certainly the ones that are leading us in our countries and civically and in our churches too. And so that being centered on Jesus, like I know that's kind of like the Sunday school answer we call it, but uh, that's going to be key because if we try to get all these other skills and all these other things, it's going to be a waste. Um, but there are some, some, I think, competencies that come up in my mind. Uh, one of them that comes up right away is what a lot of people are calling leadership agility. Um, it's become a pretty popular t- term in just secular, I guess, leadership theory. And I've been really interested in it in a long time. And this season has really proven how critical it truly is. And so, um, you know, maybe traditional leadership, while that's really important to be able to kind of know your stuff, have a lot of expertise, be able to tell people this is how we've always done it and this is what's going to get us through this time. Leadership agility fills this other gap, which is we don't really know what's going to happen. This has never happened before. We need to quickly learn from our experiences and be able to apply that to new experiences because we can't necessarily say, oh, it'll go just like it did before. And and that means that leaders need to have what they call learning agility, the ability Mm. to quickly learn new things and to apply those things, to quickly say, hey, I didn't maybe take a a class on this. let's be honest, some of the classes I took in seminary were awesome, but they're lacking when it comes to leading in time like this. There was nothing about these types of things. And so that's not their fault, but what does it mean to be able to learn constantly from everything from the intentional content that I take down to like just watching, even just watching leaders in the global stage and, and thinking, why did they do that? You know, like that is not what I would have done. What would I have done? Ooh, maybe this is harder to lead than I thought. Mm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. And just thinking through that kind of stuff. I think it's critical. I think another thing that comes to mind is just managing change well and being able to be people who pay attention to how the change is affecting you, but also how it's affecting, you know, your family, the people closest to you, how it affects your team that you're leading. And then how that of course affects the organization, uh, the people that are a part of that. So for me, leading a church, you know, I'm thinking about my staff team and how they're under a lot of pressure to continue to step into things. But then I think about some, when I look at my congregation, my congregation is maybe about 300 people. And we've got a whole gamut of people from how comfortable they are with change Mm. and not, you know, and maybe the most unexpected competency that comes with change management is helping people process grief. Mm. Because whenever we have a change, that means we're losing something. Sometimes even we're glad to see it go, but it's still a loss. And sometimes the change yeah. is really good, but it's still a loss. But certainly right now we're in some pretty terrible change when it comes to people's lifestyles needing to change. And of course, people actually losing people and everything. And so I think being able to help people articulate like, oh, this is grief. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we process that? Um, I think this pandemic has brought to the surface things that were maybe like deep within people. And so a leadership competency is helping name that with people and helping them find the next step resources to 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 figure out how to move through that stuff because it's almost like it's almost an opportunity right now Mm. to say how do we deal with the stuff that's come coming up in the midst of this time but i think most of those things you know as we go into the future will be critical um you know it's it's who knows i don't think that we're in a disruption as much as like or an interruption i think it's more of a disruption so if an interruption is more of the like hey we'll see when we get back to normal i think it's more of a disruption like a lot of leaders would say i think and so that means some things will be changed for good. And I think that's going to mean that leaders need to continue to have that 
leadership agility and and change um, change management for sure. Mm. Is there um is there any practices you would do? You know, how do we grow in agility? Like I I, I think about you know most people a, a lot of the people listening to this podcast are probably going to be church planters, missional yeah. thinkers, and on on the surface you probably class those people as being quite agile. But I know as a church planter myself. You, you spend years sort of planning and, and thinking about this thing and dreaming about this thing that sometimes when it actually comes to doing it, it's hard to pivot because you've had this thing in your heart and your mind for so long. Yeah. And so agility actually maybe not uh, is, is not uh, necessarily a competency for church planters, maybe for some, yeah. but I know for me, like I've, I've certainly had to grow in that. Like I want to have everything planned out. I want to know the next yeah. steps. You know, I want to, I want to have strategy and vision, but um. Yeah have got to learn just to be okay with pivoting and changing. Is there anything that you would recommend in terms of, you know, reading or practices that would help us to grow our agility? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I think I'm with you, like as a church planter. So my church is 12 years old. So I, I feel like I, my church planting days were like so far back, but they also feel like they were yesterday <laughs> and how many things that I think was going to be one way. And then, and then sometimes we ended up getting into these rhythms and then something happens in life. And certainly this pandemic has not been the first thing that's upset the apple cart that often happens with church planting. Um, just while I have the thought on my mind about books, um, Canoeing Through the Mountains by Todd mm. Bolsinger. Um, that book is great. That's the one I recommend to church leaders who are trying to figure out how to become more agile in their leadership, as well as the book Agile Church which was written by uh, a friend of mine named Dwight Shiley, who is a, a professor at Luther Seminary, a Lutheran seminary. Um, but he he wrote this little book. It's small, but it's really helpful. And it articulates agile leadership theory and church leadership and the need for the church to come together. And, and one of the things that I really got from that book was this idea that we think churches are supposed to bring stability when they actually are called to agility. Mm. And while stability can be good, as Jesus followers who are taking the words of Jesus seriously can we actually sit down in a place of stability or are we missing something then? Is there something not quite there then about being a true sold out Jesus follower? If the, the ground is feeling completely stable beneath us now being centered on Jesus is one thing, but the stability that we often think of in the world. And so that was really encouraging mm. as far as practices go. Um, I, I think there's some really great things since we're thinking about church planters and church leaders. One of the great things that I've done with my team that I didn't always do, but late, lately, and it's really helped. And that is just to really get the people in the room who are truly the idea people. Other people can be in the room too, but nobody that's going to be the like, I can't help myself, but to say that won't work before we say something. Okay. You know, who those, those people, are. people ugh. they they need to take a break unless they can refrain. So, and then we get everybody in there when COVID happened, you know, there was a lot of adapting, right? So there's a lot of things that happened right away and we needed to just adapt. But adapting and innovating isn't really the same thing. Mm. Adapting is changing something that's happening to fit the new reality. Innovating is saying, what could we do now? And how can we reimagine something? Maybe because we have to, but maybe just because mm. innovation is a good thing and new things, right? And so I said to my team, hey, we've been doing all of this ad adaptive work and you all have been amazing. You know, you figured this out. We got all this stuff. Now let's do some innovation space. And so we just got together and we just did attic living room basement. Have you ever heard of this before? So like attic was anything like in the clouds, you can say anything. Nobody can say anything like that won't work or we don't do this. <laughs> and then living room 
was like, okay, well, if we were going to do, we put like three things we took from the attic. If we were going to do one of these things, what would have to happen? And then basement was basically, we're going to all try to come up with things about why this wouldn't work very well. Like mm-hmm. we're going to actually make people who love the ideas come up with why that won't work. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to bring to the surface, like what is up? So that's just an exercise. That's good. In fact, I told them, I said, we're not going to make any decisions today. None. I, no decisions will be made today. We're only going to do this exercise. And what I think that does is it builds the capacity of those agility muscles. Um, it did for me as a leader by even being willing to do that with my team. And then I think it does that as a group and as a team to be able to keep moving forward. So that's that's one of the things that I think of, of just like a type of practice that you can do and um, being willing to, to write out, you know, what ifs and just dream about stuff and be willing to just consider, well, what if we did this totally different thing? It doesn't mean we have to do that, mm. <laughs> but just our brains being willing to go there. I think it really helps us. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm 37. So I'm like, I've got to keep this agility going because I could totally see myself. I mean, I, I love some of these people in their 50s, 60s, 70s who are still innovating, but I could totally see myself becoming one of those like kind of like cranky middle middle-aged people. And I need to like keep that agility in mind. <laughs> mm. I love, love everything you're saying, Steph. And it kind of leads into the next question. When Benj and I first uh, heard from you, it was, um, you know, part of a day where you were walking a number of leaders through curiosity and the role of curiosity um, in the church and in leadership and how significant it can be to shift into spaces of curiosity. And even with what you were just sharing just then, there was curiosity laced all throughout it, being willing to ask those questions, being willing to have the conversation up in the clouds without having to worry too much about, you know, the practical details during that mode of thinking. Um, but would just love for you to expand a little bit more on maybe your discovery of of curiosity as such a central leadership trait and what difference it makes and, and you know, just share a little bit about, yeah, why it's become so central for you. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that curiosity is one of those things that most of us have when we're little and we all still have it, but it gets kind of put in the corner or something like it gets a little squelched for some people um, in their life. And, you know, I, I, I think that just life can do that to you, right? Like you, what you just said, like the details, the things that have to get done, like maybe we're afraid of curiosity because it might make our to-do list too long, or we're afraid of curiosity because it means we'll get too caught up in it and we won't get the things done that we need to do, or we won't be doing the right things. I think sometimes that's a fear that a lot of us have, like, are we doing the Mm. right thing? Is this the best thing? And, um, I think for, for leaders to be curious people, it helps us in in multiple ways. First of all, I think to be curious about God and what God is doing. I mean, this is my central question: uh, What is God doing, and how do I join into that? Um, that's a very different question than maybe I don't know what your early childhood growing up was like. But I grew up in in a church. My dad was a Southern Baptist pastor, um, and bless their hearts, the questions that we were asking was more like, "What does God want you to do?" You know, and it's not mm. it's not the same question. Mm. It's not the same question. What, what does God want you to do? Get it right or pay the price. Like, this is it. God wants you to do this list of to do's and this list of to don'ts. And Mm -hmm. if you don't get, I'm like, no, no, no. That's like, that's like uh, Abrahamic law. Like that's, that's like, we're back. That's a multiple covenants ago (laughs) that we're talking about the list of to do's and to don'ts. And that's not what God's freedom is about. And so we're looking into this, well, how do I join into what God is doing? And in so doing, avoid a lot of the things that God doesn't want me to do and get me so caught up in what God wants me to be about. And I, I really think that that 
that list of morality just fails every time. I just think of that morality fails. This like trying so hard to do the things. It's like, I just, I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and be focused on what God is doing. And so that curiosity about what God is doing is crucial. I think it's also important for leaders to be curious about themselves and like, first of all, the self-awareness, but also just curious. Um, my spiritual director who I meet with all the time, she's always saying, you should be curious about that. And you like, why are you, those questions that you're bringing up, ask yourself, well, why do I feel that way? What's going on inside of me? Why do I have this emotion all the time? And being curious about yourself, um, I think really helps. And giving yourself grace and compassion to be able to understand yourself. Cause I think curiosity is much, a uh, much more grace filled um, posture than cynicism or skepticism. Mm. And so the grace filled posture of curiosity to yourself is almost a precursor to be able to have grace filled curiosity towards other people. Mm. And then as leaders being curious about how we move forward together, right? That's what leadership is, right? Saying, Hey, I think we're supposed to do this. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to be the first follower of what we think the spirit's doing. And then let's see if we can do this. And so being curious about how we might be able to do that well together. Um, and that could involve strategy and that kind of stuff, but it still comes back to that central question. So what is God inviting us to do? So what's God doing and how do I join in? What is God doing and how do we join in? And the role of a leader is to listen to these people and then be able to make meaning of what we hear to say, well, it sounds like to you and the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to try to figure out this and take these next steps and see what God's doing there. So I just, it, I just can't even imagine leading without curiosity. I don't even mm. know. Like it just doesn't even, I can't even imagine it to be honest. Oh, it's very good. I've found your teaching really helpful on that. I love that, you know, Israel literally means to wrestle with God and uh, yeah. to, to like wrestle and ask questions. And I, I, I think it, it, for me, like it puts me in the right position that I am the one learning, like I'm a student and I'm, even if I'm the leader, I'm a student and I'm, I'm not the one with the answers. God is the one with the answers and other people, you know, have wisdom to give. Um, right. And you said a phrase that, you know, that, you know, we have often curiosity as, as kids, but we lose that. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the things that kind of get in the way of our curiosity and continued curiosity as, as people and leaders? My gut reaction to your question is fear. I really think fear is at the core of it. I mean, you know, it's that cheesy line, like the Bible says, don't be afraid 365 times, one for every day or whatever. Well, okay. There is a reason that Jesus said that repeatedly as well, because we are. And fear has got to be one of the deepest motivators in life. Um, and that's a good thing when you're being chased by a bear or you're standing in front of a moving vehicle and you need to get you and your child out of the way. Um, but fear, I mean, that's why it's such a, we're wired to be motivated deeply by fear, but when it is the thing that's motivating us for most of our life, I think it squelches curiosity. Um, it squelches yeah, wonder, um, creativity is very squelched by fear. Um, courage of course is, you know, the thing that we need to overcome the fear, but having courageous conversations and being willing to go there and those kinds of things just becomes less and less common, I think. And, you know, I think the things that we we face in life bring us to that spot of like responsibility. And I have, if I'm too curious, you know, some of that kind of stuff, I think most of that is not true, but it feels that way. Mm. And maybe just, I don't know, maybe it goes without saying, but I think one of the number one things is the enemy. I think the enemy knows if I can just keep these people cynical, apathetic, or skeptical, that's all I really need to do. The mm. enemy doesn't want, like, doesn't even need us to, to turn around and go in the complete opposite direction. 
the enemy just needs us to slow down or stand still. And that's half the battle for us. Right. So if curiosity does all these wonderful things that God made, made the curiosity to do and wired us to experience, if I was the enemy, I'd be like, so we just need to stop that thing then. Right. So I think that a lot of the fear and a lot of those other things that come up, um, you know, I don't totally, I don't pretend to totally understand spiritual warfare, but I think there's an aspect of that as well. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting just even thinking about the, uh, you know, if we had curiosity on one side and something like skepticism on the other side, they both um, seem to ask questions. Like skepticism is asking questions about every authority, every system, you know, and curiosity is kind of doing the same thing. But to me, it feels like curiosity is doing it with a genuinely open posture that is expansive and skepticism is doing it with a narrowing down posture that's already closed off to new information. But it's interesting Definitely. that they can both they can both kind of look the same, maybe. Yeah, I call them. I say that they're in the uncertainty genre. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's good. And I, I tend to think like, you know, I think of skepticism as kind of in the middle. So you've got curiosity and skepticism, and then that moves to cynicism. Mm. And I found myself in all those places in life. I bet a lot of people have. Yeah. The question is just like, how do we not stay in skepticism? And and, and skepticism could be really helpful, right? When when we're following an unhealthy leader, I think we need to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. And and ask some more questions. Well, the cynicism is something that I think we fall into, but is not a place to stay. We should not be happy that we're there. And so similar to what you just said, another way I think of it is cynicism is actually like confining. Mm. It's actually pulling in smaller and more confining. And curiosity is expansive. It opens you up the same genre, but doing something very different when they are allowed to play out in our reality. Yeah, that's really helpful. Do you have thoughts, Steph, around how a, you know, a leader who is thinking about culture can shift a culture that maybe has been defined by a fear of the unknown or a preservation of the status quo? Um, you know, if you want to move a, a people into greater curiosity, but it feels like there's significant risk around that, how do you shift a culture so that there's kind of a healthy level of we can have an open dialogue and be genuinely curious? Yeah, definitely. So how do we get to the the things beneath the thing to help yeah. people identify what's making them afraid of the change? It's usually about loss. What What's keeping them from, you know, participating fully? I think that's really important. Um, but as leaders in general, it's hard to ask people to turn towards curiosity if the way we speak to them, for instance, is all in sentences with strong exclamation point at the end of this. Um, it doesn't mean we're necessarily have to go questioning doctrine and stuff. That's not even what I'm saying as a leader, but how many times is my sermon illustration, right? We're Baptists. So we have three points. And so we always say, here's my three points. How many times is it a period at the end instead of a question? Mm. Well, ask, you know, what if the, what if the three points were pushing people back towards a question that they should take into their time with God and asking a question about Jesus in their life? Um, I really try to mix that up to create a culture of curiosity. How many times do, do we even say, Hey, you people, I'll be back. I'm going to go up to, you know, on a retreat and I'll come back with the vision for our church. There's no question about like, what's God saying to you or have you been listening or how do we think God is moving? And, you know, you have to sift through people's personal opinions to get to that, but it it still helps us. And so um, the culture of curiosity starts from the very beginning and is in the one-on-ones all the way to the sermon and everything in between. Mm. Um, I don't think that needs to be a culture of confusion or that nothing is certain in the sense of like, there's no such thing as truth. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I I have been really thinking about the difference between certainty and assurance. I think that's an important thing for us as church leaders to think about, because 
I need to be really careful not to give certainty statements to people when what I really need to give them is assurance statements. Mm -hmm. So when the pandemic happened, uh, my church meets in a school. So we were out of there real quick. And so if I say to people something like, oh, I'm sure that we're going to be back. I'm certain we're going to be back. Um, Everything's going to be okay. I don't know that. I don't know when we're going to go. I don't know if we're going back and I don't know if it's going to be okay. You know, I don't know, not in a practical day-to-day level. Um, I know it's going to be okay. My eternal hope. So that's not, those are, those are certainty statements and that develops a lack of trust with leaders. Mm. And so an assurance statement would be like, Hey, no matter what happens, we're going to get through this together. We're going to lean on God and we're going to focus on Jesus invitations in our life. And I believe that no matter what happens, this could bring us closer to God. I mean, those are assurance statements to people. Um, so I, th- I think those are ways for us to think about the culture, like giving, giving assurance because people need that, but mm. don't, don't give people false certainty. That's that, that seems tempting as a leader, but it doesn't, doesn't actually get us where we want to go. That's really helpful. Love it. Well, we are uh, quickly running out of time, but I'd love uh, just to end with a few rapid fire questions. If you're okay with that. Okay. Yeah. So this is a, a one word or a one sentence answer. Okay. All right. Question one. What do you think is the biggest danger of the church's future? Um, I think not truly relying on the Holy Spirit. Uh, what right now is giving you hope about the church's future? I think watching people uh, figure out how to adapt, even people I never thought would be able to do it, <laughs> like figure out how to make it happen. Mm. Uh, what's influencing you right now in terms of books or podcasts or people? Yeah, I'm I'm really loving the Church Pulse podcast that uh, Barna is doing. Um, that's been really helpful to pay attention to as far as statistics. And I think it's mostly focused on the US, but a um, lot of great leaders that have been really vulnerable on that podcast, the Church Pulse podcast. If uh, you could only recommend one book to people for the rest of your life and you could have yeah. like infinite, you know, supply of it just to give out, what would be that one go-to book? Oh man, that's, that's a terrible question. (laughs) Oh no, that's the worst. For some reason, the book that came to mind was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Very good. Very good. The narrative. I'm like, maybe a bunch of words that won't make sense, but the narrative, like putting the gospel into a story like that, I think that could, that could be for anyone. I like that. Love that. Um, Just to, just to finish, what would be your you know, two to three sentences that you would leave with um, listeners of our podcast, thinking church planters, missional thinkers, people that, you know, want to be adapting and curious about the future of the church. What what would you leave with them? You know, I think looking back on my time as when I was originally a church planter and now I help, I have helped churches start now. I think um, there's this real balance of speeding up and slowing down when you need that's really more of what it could or should look like than, you know, it's understandable that perfect balance is not going to happen, but there can be a rhythm, even if it looks like that. And so I think that curiosity and innovation sometimes makes us think fast, but it doesn't have to be fast. Mm. It actually could have a real posture of thoughtfulness and slowing down and paying attention. And, and so really honing in on when to put, you know, put the gas, put your foot on the gas and when to slow down, I think is the the thing that I would have told myself 12 years, 12 years ago, a little bit to pay a little more attention to when I was first starting out in church planting. Oh, awesome. Well, Steph, as two church planners earlier in our journeys, we really 
appreciate all of your wisdom and uh, just your example, your role modeling, the, um, the encouragement that you continue to put out there. So thanks so much for your time and um, being a part of this conversation. And we have no doubt that many people will be impacted um, positively by your words in this chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Where, where can people connect with your work uh, online? Yeah. Uh, pastorstuff.com is my website. And then I'm Pastor Stuff on all the things like Twitter and Instagram. And you can look that up on Facebook too. And uh, love connecting with people in those different ways. And you can find my books. I have a second book coming out um, in May of this year. And so both Stay Curious, the book that I just wrote last year, and then the one that's coming out in May, which is called Make a Move, How to Stop Wavering and Make Decisions in a Disorienting World. Ooh. That is coming out in May. So those are all, you can find all of that if you head to pastorstuff.com. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, wonderful for us and I'm sure for our listeners as well. A blast. Thanks, guys. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services. To find out more, visit bfs.org.au. We hope you are enjoying the Forming Church podcast. As fun as it is to listen to our voices, they are not the only ones that matter. Add your voice to the conversation by joining the Forming Church Facebook group or connecting with us on Instagram at Forming Church. What do the ideas in this episode's interview look like in diverse contexts? That's what Jamie, Ken and Pip are going to explore right now. Pip has worked as a youth pastor in Sydney and served in Cambodia with Global Interaction, where she still works now as a partnership consultant. Welcome, Pip. Thanks, Jamie. Good to be joining you. We also have Ken, who has planted and led churches in Kenya, America, and is now in Sydney working with our Gen 1K mission team as a multiplication facilitator. Welcome, Ken. Good to be here, Jamie. Excellent. It's great to have you guys here. In this interview, we heard Benj and Will chat with Steph O'Brien about uh, curiosity, agility, and all, all of this whole idea of being adaptable in, in leadership and mm-hmm. what that looks like. And the point of these roundtable conversations is to practice learning from people with diverse and at times divergent opinions. So you might have a different perspective to Steph or Will, uh, Ken, Pip, myself, uh, but how do we create healthy debate and move beyond the echo chamber of our tribe? So, Ken, Pip, what struck you? One thing that stood out to me was right at the end, um, that difference between certainty and assurance. And uh, as I heard that, I thought, yeah, that's so true because assurance is dependent on relationship. Yeah. We can trust God, we can trust people, we can journey together, even though we don't know what's going to happen. And so I think that was a fantastic phrase that stood out to me. That's a great reflection, Pip. Ken, as someone who is leading a church during this time, uh, how does this whole idea of certainty versus assurance uh, play out in, in your leadership context? I mean, just uh, listening to what uh, Steph was saying, I think uh, as, as a pastor, we somehow... Um, by default, uh, move towards trying to be certain because we want to give people a sense of hope and uh, uh, calm fears. But mm. just listen to Steph. It's actually we may be doing more harm than good mm. uh, because it 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 like she says you start to lose credibility when the things you say with certain don't come to pass, and you start trying to figure out how am I going to handle that. But um, in terms of assurance, what I've really picked up and loved was just pointing people to Christ that. We yeah. don't have all the answers. We don't know what's going to happen, but we do have this assurance that God is in control. I think that that for me as a minister is one of the biggest takeout, like 
Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. great. Because certainty comes from this place of control, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yet in moments like this pandemic that we find ourselves in, we're confronted with this reality that uh, things are actually beyond our control. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and that that is actually really uh, confronting for, for many of us, uh, especially as we lead in this time. Yeah, and, and none of us has been in this season. None of us can actually, and Steph talked about this, none of us has been prepared to lead in this season. So how do you, are you able to make uh, statements that are sort of certain? It's, it's really hard. Mm. Yeah. And made even more difficult, I think, when people are looking to us for yeah. certainty. Yeah. 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 And yeah. yet that, that subtle shift around assurance and as Pip pointed out that that's based on relationship which as pastors and as leaders we have that relationship there and we have a relationship uh, with God and we trust that that relationship is also there for the people that we lead and it's it's just leaning on that relationship uh, that actually carries people through this time um, with a sense of hope yes Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure it's great what else stood out to you well, for me, another thing that really stood out uh, well was the issue of interruption versus disruption. Mm. Um, and uh, I'd never thought about it this way, but sort of that sense of interruption um, is, is is here and now. You're trying to adapt to how you're going to live in this new space. Um, and it's, it's temporal. Uh, but disruption is a whole shift that changes everything. Yeah. And realizing uh, what Seth says that, we are going through a disruption, not an interruption. Yeah. Things are not going to go back to the way they were. Um, mm. And it's a lie if you believe that's what's going to happen. It's There's a new way that's come. Things have been disrupted. And so just having that clarity of what's happening really helpful. That stood out for me. Yeah. So I guess in response to that, um, it's not about adaptation. It's about innovation. Yep. And uh, yeah. I thought that was a brilliant connection there as well. Yeah. And she talked about uh, uh, adapting being about the here and now. How do we look at what's happening? How do we shift and change so that we can be in the here and now? Well, innovation is future looking. We're looking at the future and how do we, you know, recreate new um, in this, in the, in the whatever is coming. Yeah. So what does the role of curiosity play in the area of innovation? I think from what I've picked up, it, it just opens a conversation. I think it just generates the right questions. If it's done, and Steph really pushes on this, if it's done within with the right motive, if it if curiosity comes from a place of of of, of you know good motives, it opens up new conversations mm. and forces people to ask new questions and push into new spaces. Yeah, and even if the first questions may may not be the right questions, uh, they'll provoke more questions, and so they'll eventually lead somewhere. And I like that exercise that she gave as well um, with the team that she did, um, looking at the the kind of blue sky, the the attic living room basement sort of image um and i just as i was listening to it, i thought i'd like to be in a team like that oh, yeah. i'd like to be in a I'm team like that, that <laughs> where um we don't have to make a decision right at that moment yeah. uh where we can just come and 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 be curious together because again yeah. i think in in relationship together um that's such a, a key part of how that innovation and how that curiosity can come about what I loved yeah. about that story and illustration that she gave is that she set the expectation at the beginning. Yep. So rather than her team thinking the whole time about what decision are we going to make, uh, what's this going to look like, she said yeah. we're not going to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, today is about uh, uh, curiosity, inquiry, all of that discovery, uh, seeing where God is at work and joining him. And I think by by setting that expectation, she then frees the team up to dream. and to align their hearts with what God is doing. So really, really great illustration and example uh, for us in this space. In terms of um, 
this whole idea of also that quest, uh, curiosity opens up more questions. I found that quite insightful. Mm. And mm. for me, I think Christians should be the most curious people. I mm. think that that should be just inherent in who we are, that we should be asking those questions about people, about their lives, about our neighbourhood, about our community and about God. Yeah. And so curiosity uh, isn't something that Christians should fear. It should actually be uh, something that's very familiar with with who we are and the posture in which we inhabit our, our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she, what Steph does, she shares um, just like a warning that curiosity is not just for curiosity's sake. Mm. Because if you approach it that way, because we do, Jamie, we do need to ask questions. But if we just ask them for the sake of asking them, I think that's what she says leads to a place of where you just hit roadblocks because the motive behind them is, is not right. And you start punching holes into things that don't need sort of to be punched hole into or that makes sense. Uh, but the danger of curiosity for curiosity's sake is that it ends up being a roadblock. So in terms of um, if you were to ask Steph a follow-up question, what would that be? Mm, there's, there's so much. Uh, I think I would really want to push in a bit more in uh, ab- adapting versus innovation because uh, it's such a thin line. Um, how do you know? How is adapting to new ways not innovating? I'm just, just really trying to figure that whole, yeah, that, that, that clarity between those two. Uh, that's what I would ask. It's great. And maybe even an example in that space. Would yeah, be more, more yeah, yeah. examples, yeah. How about you, Kip? Yeah, I wonder if, if there's a, a time when um, when people just are, are fatigued with, with, with that as well, when we need to just pause or take a rest. Um, mm. I, I don't mean stop being curious uh, altogether or stop asking questions. Um, I just reflect on, on moving to Cambodia, for example, um, learning a new language, being in a completely new environment, uh, living with a local family and, and completely being immersed in that. And while on one hand that was the best environment for provoking curiosity, curiosity about so many things it was also quite overwhelming at times Mm. and intensely stressful and so to be in that sort of environment to be on that sort of heightened awareness all the time is is really challenging so when do we need to just when do we need to to give ourselves just that that pause and that break uh when do we need to do that as teams and and how can we do that well uh so that we can come together fresh ready to engage with those challenging questions again Mm. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, Pip. I can you know, hear my kids in the background saying, are we there yet? Yep. Why, do, yeah. why does this happen? What do we do? And, and questions are great yep. and they do open us up. But but they can be draining. They can be draining. <laughs> we all know that. Yep. And, and so I think that there's a lot of wisdom in what you suggested and, and finding the balance around that and, and being aware when we need to kind of pause and uh, keep doing what we're already doing because that's that's what's before us uh, and then Mm. know when to ask those questions. I can remember uh, in our church planting journey, um, the first three years, we asked a lot of questions as we got to know one another, as we got to know our neighbourhood, as uh, new people uh, were incorporated into our community and finding faith. We we were asking a lot of curious questions and after three years of that, we got really, really tired. And so we had to start to uh, embed in structures and processes that were uh, created a sense of um, safety for yeah. people um, that that they knew what to expect yeah. so yeah I think that there's always that tension in that space isn't yeah. there yeah. yeah I think in, in COVID as well with reflecting on on uh, my church that I'm a part of at Gordon Baptist Church um, we've had a lot of changes in the last few months and um, this COVID season has uh 
provoked some of those questions and um, provoked some some innovation. Uh, having said that, we have shifted and we have different types of gatherings that are new and innovative for our community. Uh, but we're not going to shift next week or the week after. Uh, of course, we can't be certain of, uh, about the, the restrictions from the government. But as far as we can plan for, for the moment... Mm-hmm. This is the rhythm that we have. These are the patterns yeah. that, that we will stay with for some time. Yeah, that's good. That's great. If you were to suggest a concrete action or next step for someone in this area of curiosity, of adaptive leadership, um, of managing change, what would that be? I wonder if there's one area of those curiosity questions that we could explore some more as, as an individual. Um, perhaps it's it's that first one of being curious about God and what God is doing. Perhaps it's a season to reflect more about ourselves and being curious about ourselves or about being curious about other people, perhaps in our neighbourhood or close to where we are, um, or asking those curious questions about how we're going to respond. Mm. I think mine would be around uh, uh, interruption and disruption and um, sort of reflecting on your life and trying to figure out what things am I going through currently in this season that are interruptions and which uh, which ones are actually disruptions mm. and, and just realizing, okay, what is not going to change and what has totally changed. Yeah. Mm, that's great. I think for me, um, related perhaps to what Pip was saying is, is, is just some asking curious questions about ourselves and, and, the whole area of emotional intelligence. So yeah. uh, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Uh, how's that impacting the way in which mm. I live and think and behave? And, and so I think for leaders during this time um, where there is so much change, being really aware of what's happening uh, for them as they are going through this and how they are managing that and also what's happening for others and how they're, they're um, responding to that in yeah. their community. It's actually a really important area. And so mm. if you're wanting to do um, reading or, or further work into the area of emotional intelligence, I think that that would be a really great action coming out of this conversation. Mm. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks, Pip. Thanks, Ken. And thanks for listening. Remember to join the conversation at the Forming Church Podcast Facebook group and follow us on Instagram. Well, Benj, how good was it chatting to Steph O'Brien? It was very good. I enjoyed it. I I particularly loved uh, the practice she took her team through around the attic, the living room and the basement. And just giving yourself, and I know um, Disney do this as well. Like they set up different rooms Mm. and different environments for different processes of the brainstorming process um and i think that's just so helpful to be able to like shut off some parts of you to engage fully um shut off the critical part and then bring it out later on and uh all that good stuff so i think i might do that with our team yeah that is helpful well what did you get out of this conversation we'd love to know join us in our facebook group search forming church podcast on facebook and uh, let us know what you thought about our chat with steph or what stood out to you And if you enjoyed this, we would just love it if you would uh, share it with other people, bring more people into the Forming Church community. How can people do that, Ben? can. you can review on Apple Podcasts. That is super helpful in terms of other people finding the podcast. You could um, give it to someone. You could send it in a text. You could put it on Instagram. Uh, Think about your other church planter friends or missional thinkers or people that are just uh, interested in new things and uh, send it through. Yeah, and maybe you could say to them, hey, are you curious about finding out what this podcast is about? You, you, you might be able to say that. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, could. Yeah. You could hint. At I content. wonder. I wonder if you could say that. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious about whether or not people will follow that suggestion. <laughs> I'm curious about 
what our next episode is. Me too. You gotta you gotta finish your curious sentences with a <laughs> raised <laughs> voice. Uh, anyway, uh, love you all, and uh, thank you for joining us on the journey. And uh, we're excited about all that is to come. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the day or night, uh, wherever you are. And uh, we will join you on another episode. Catch you then.